DanielBrett.com. It's no accident that you're here. As a matter of fact, you are going to learn some things that will be really amazing. You're going to impress your friends and your neighbors, and you can say, look, I know something you don't about the Isaacs. Welcome, guys. Hey, thank, thank you. Hi. Thanks for having us. This group goes has, has quite a history. And, uh, Lily, I've talked to you about the history. We've caught up about that, and, um, and we'll mix that in throughout the program about your background would you be considered the matriarch of this group? I guess I'm the one that carries the bullwhip around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, with this this eclectic bunch of people, even though most are family, they're eclectic. still uh, I would, I'm pretty, pretty eclectic case, right? Uh, yes. Personalities. <laughs> and that was Ben. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sitting around the table, Sonia, Ben, Kevin Haney, who plays what, banjo and guitar? Banjo and guitar. And Jesse Stockman, who uh, has been with the group for about a, about a year now, plays the fiddle, the violin. In bluegrass, I guess it's the fiddle, right? Correct. <laughs> and um, Sonia and Ben, siblings, and Rebecca, right? Correct. Uh, Absolutely. All, all three. Absolutely. Uh, and, and then Lily's the mother. Yes. Has bluegrass come naturally to you guys? Growing, yes. Growing up with, uh, with mom and dad like you've grown up with? We were, we were raised on uh, everything from Peter, Paul, and Mary to Ralph Stanley. Mm-hmm. So... Um, we are what you might consider mixing soup beans and lasagna, uh, <laughs> bra hopper Hebrews, you know, yeah. uh, yeah. Jubilees. Yeah. Um, so we were, we were, our, our mom had a, a, a record deal on Columbia Records playing folk rock, and right. then our dad had a bluegrass deal on, on uh, Decca. Mm-hmm. And they met in the 60s, became, uh, got married, and uh, started having us young. And so we were just raised. In a home where music was like water, so it's. Yeah. Uh, what year did you uh, did you all really hit the road as a as a full fledged family group? Nineteen eighty five. Yeah, about nineteen eighty five. Mm-hmm. We had just dabbled in it, I guess, as a hobby up until then. Now, my mother and father would go from church with different bands and play, but as us children got older and got old enough to play instruments, they would. Um, or as a band member would quit, one of us would grab the instrument that the band member quit. And, mm-hmm. um, but in 1983, I believe it was, our father got hurt in the 1981, he got hurt on the job and, um, it caused him to not be able to work full time at this, um, position that he had had. So, um, we had a lot more time to devote to playing music. So that's sort of sure. how it all happened. Yeah. Can you have a, a bluegrass group without a live band? Is it possible? No. 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 Wait, can you have a band without a live band? (laughs) That's true. There's really no such thing as karaoke bluegrass. Like, you know. Yeah. Uh, Which, I mean, I guess you could always sing, you know, with a track. We we sell a lot of tracks, believe it or not, um, to our style of music, but it's not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When you go to Bluegrass Festival, it's all live. Do you guys, um, uh, can, I mean, bluegrass, I've, I've heard that. Synonymous with the Isaacs, is that as accurate as you can get? No. <laughs> with it's you know we we were all raised on on blue again the bluegrass and the folk, mm-hmm. both both having those influences in our lives. So you know into a bluegrass field we're not really bluegrass, mm-hmm. but to a southern gospel field we're we're not really. Southern gospel, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're what we like to, you know, we're, we're known as Isaac style mm-hmm. because we take country harmonies and, and uh, bluegrass harmonies 
and add them to a more contemporary bluegrass feel with drums and piano mm-hmm. uh, on a lot of stuff. And then we can, you know, but we can go back and play fast and hard driving straight ahead bluegrass. But mm-hmm. we can also pull out the I Surrender Alls, and, sure. you know, and if that don't make you want to go. and yeah. I think there's a kind of a fine line between all those styles anyway. They're not too far spread apart, mm-hmm. you know, as far as the harmonies and the types of um, songs that you do, and so they kind of all blend together. So to really um, to say that it's one thing or another is, is difficult to do. It kind of fits everything. Sonia, what parts do you play in the group? Um, I play the mandolin, and I sing most, well, I sing the high stuff, the soprano, and a lot of lead stuff. Yeah. And I do a lot of the MC work on stage. I'm curious, because I always like the mandolin. Do you have, and it sounds like that you're playing really fast, even if it's a slow song. Are you really strumming fast, or is it just a sound that it's made by no, the instrument? No, usually if it sounds like I'm playing fast, I usually am playing fast. Okay. <laughs> There's ways to trick, you know, trickery in that you, um, you can fool people, but, yeah. you know, some of the things we play are extremely fast. Sometimes we pull the wool over people's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> now, you can agree with me, uh, Ben is unique. And that he carries, uh, he's, he's, he's Big Ben, right? Is that a nickname for you, Big Ben? Uh, Big Ben or, uh, Bill Gaither calls me Gentle Ben. Gentle <laughs> <laughs> Ben, meek and mild. <laughs> you carry a very big instrument along with you, right? Yes, I do. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, I mean, a lot of people, you know, say, well, man, don't you wish you'd have taken up flute or, <laughs> you know? yeah, right. Uh, but, you know, the upright bass, uh, now is so, um, Obsolete, you know. You, yeah. There's not very many people travel with them, or even, you know, some people can play them, but they don't care to play them out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because they are they are a pain a lot of times, but you know they're so cool. I'm very passionate about it. So. If for whatever reason, say say it broke, or for whatever reason you didn't have it one night, uh, would you, if you had two choices, basically you either just didn't play it at all that night, or you picked up an electric bass guitar, oh, what would you do? I definitely would pick up an electric bass guitar, but just because it would complete the band. Yeah. You know, it would be a different sound. Um, you know, I, I do play electric bass. I play a lot of sessions. I work on um, a lot of the stuff you guys play, I play on. You yeah. know, I, I work in Nashville as a session musician. and um, You know, I do a, a lot of people will hire me to play because I do play upright in electric bass. So, um, no, I wouldn't leave them hanging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of you guys play in Nashville on, on sessions and stuff. So, um, so how'd you get so good to do that? <laughs> practice, practice. Well, <laughs> we just we grew up singing, and I, I mean, our whole lives we've played and sang mm-hmm. three or four days a week all year round. Yeah. So we do a lot of it, and you know, we've been blessed to be in front of a lot of ears, and um, and so a lot of people know what we do. And because there aren't a lot of people that do what we do. The demand for it is a little bit higher. When it comes to recording, people need a bluegrass, uh, you know, gospel sound. They automatically think, oh, the Isaacs can play that or, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so there's not a whole lot of competition out there <laughs> for what we do. So that's why we get all the session work. <laughs> you know. Becky, what part do you, you play guitar, right? Well, I attempt to play the guitar. She's great. <laughs> great. And yeah. I sing most of the alto parts you hear, um, the lead and... Just whatever they make me do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you are the purse collector of the group, right? Ah, yes. Yes, but you know, I'm running out of bunk space, so I've had to take a couple of them off the bus. I've only got like eight of them right now. <laughs> okay. 
I can't remember. We saw you at Family Fest one year, and it was like a license plate or a cigar box. Or something. I can't remember. Yes, what it was, but it yes. Was I, I, I recycle those quite often. Yeah. In traveling, do you guys find unique stuff like that that you collect or that you like to go after? when you? Well, Jesse's started collecting purses now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he's been on the look for an autographed picture of Jesus. I don't know if anybody <laughs> You guys went to Jerusalem. I'm sure someone had one. One American dollar. Jesse, you've been um, you've been with the group for a year, right? What have you learned in that? And, and is this the first group you've traveled with on the road? Uh, the second group, actually. Second. What was the first group? You, you mind telling us? Um, Doyle Lawson and Quicksilver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's. Uh, uh, What's amazing is Jesse will play Orange Blossom Special probably better than anyone you'll ever hear play it in front of 10,000 people, and he'll carry on a conversation with you, and he'll be on the bus. Honestly, he was on the bus for about six months before we knew he would talk. But he'll talk now, but this week he's been slammed with interviews. Oh, my. <laughs> it's been so funny, so I'm anxious to hear what he has to say. Doyle Lawson and Quicksilver. So I guess that's pretty good credentials to uh, oh, yeah. to the Isaacs, right? Definitely. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Kevin Haney, I knew I, I recognized the name Kevin Haney, and I've come to find out you're the brother of, uh, of who? Uh, Aubrey Haney, a fiddle player in town. He's worked with, uh, was it Caveman to call Andrew Peterson? He's worked with a ton of people. Buddy he Green. started um, Buddy Green. a lot of Buddy Green. Buddy Green. That, that's yeah. Yeah. Lately, the last 10, 15 years, a lot of country music, you know. Yeah. Uh, he started with Aaron Tippin right out of high school, then went to Clint Black. Then he broke into the session world and just took it by storm, you know, really yeah. got into that. And, and we both grew up playing bluegrass, you know, since we were kids. Sure. So our first love is that. And, you know, when that gets in your blood, you, you can get away from it for a while, but it's, it's, it's always there. And especially getting back in it like I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. I've been out of it for about eight years, and it's man, it just gets a hold of you again, and you're just like, man, this is this is what it's about, you know. So, Did you just need a job. Is that why you found them? Or, <laughs> yeah, you know, I was actually for the last few years, I've been with Billy Dean, country artist, uh-huh. and then um, a couple months with Jamie O'Neill, uh-huh. and these guys called me about a month ago, I guess, and I was out with Jamie. I think I was in Maine actually, and uh, yeah. they called, needing somebody, and told me there was going to be a lot of auditioning and that whole thing, and. Uh, I was like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm up for it. So came back into town, and a couple weeks later, had two days to learn about 18 songs, and yeah, and uh, they yeah. gave me a hard time about that. So, but uh, we're still hoping he'll learn them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two weeks later, <laughs> no. So yeah, I He's doing great. did the audition and and went through that, and just kind of clicked, you know. Have you found reception to be uh, very good? With the Isaacs or with the people? <laughs> we could talk about both maybe, but uh, no, it's been great. It's it's. We did our first bluegrass festival. I've done in a long time uh, yeah. last weekend, and it was just great seeing old friends and and getting to play my acoustic banjo again, and then playing some bluegrass. It, it really feels good. So I keep hearing about bluegrass festivals from from you and from the Easters. If if you're not into bluegrass like a diehard fan, you're more into quartets and mixed groups. Mm-hmm. To, to try to explain that to to someone who uh, is into Southern gospel. What a bluegrass festival is? Yeah, uh, it's it's basically um, uh, typically it's like a weekend event or maybe even a full week event where people will bring their campers. And they will pay a week's admission to have someone on stage from 
noon till 10 o'clock at night where they'll have probably eight bands a day. You know, you'll go from uh, uh, regional to national, but, you know, uh, where everybody's playing an hour, and they'll usually do two sets a day. So uh, say, like, we play at um, 3 o'clock in the evening, we'll probably play again at 8 o'clock that night. Sure. So it's uh, it's it's a really cool thing. Uh, people just come, and they bring their campers. They walk in and out. You know, they're in their lawn chairs, and you go back to the camper and eat lunch, or you go just sit there all day, rain or shine. Yeah. You know, it's it's a really cool. Uh, there's a real a lot of a lot of family events, you know, like that. That's that's really fun. The coolest part about the festivals is is for a picker and for I guess the audience listening. You know, after the show's over late at night, well, from that's when the the really good stuff gets started. You know, yeah. every motorhome, every campfire, there's a jam, and it, yeah. and it's like, hey, where are you gonna be picking tonight? And you get your pickers together, and there's three or four banjo players, dobro players, fiddle players. And uh, I didn't go to college or anything, so that that's kind of like I tell everybody that was my college from eleven o'clock at night at a festival to about six in the morning, just jamming all night long. Mm-hmm. You know, all your buddies, your heroes, all your you know the guys you grew up listening to are usually there, and they'll talk to you and, and mm-hmm. teach you stuff and. And that's where we kind of learn how to play. You know, y'all probably yeah. do the same thing. Well, that's probably one of the neatest things that I have found in bluegrass is that a lot of your heroes and your mentors and people that you have looked up to are not too proud mm-hmm. totally. at two in the morning, be outside and show you their best lick. And, you know, you tend to find in so many different worlds of music that I can do this and I'm, I would never show you how. Be, it's, you know, like someone that has this real famous um, recipe and they don't want no one to yeah, steal it from yeah, them. Yeah. Well, in bluegrass, I mean, you've got people like J.D. Crow. I mean, you could walk up to him on the well, banjo and say, just last week, you know? just last week <laughs> J.D., I'm a big fan. How did you do that? And, I mean, they're more than proud to show you. Well, that's the highest, you know, the highest uh, form of flattery is um, imitation. Sure. You know, and if, you know, sure. if they can show somebody a lick that they've come up with that, you know, I mean, when you hear Tony Rice play guitar, everybody knows Tony Rice's lick. But mm-hmm. when someone else plays a Tony Rice lick, you go, "Oh, man, he's playing Tony Rice licks." You know, so it's just, uh, it's, it's, you know, so it's. Um, but there's no big eyes and no little U's usually at a uh, festival. It's all about. Right. Um, it, it's not about getting the people to their feet and stirring them up and being the best that day. It's about bringing your family and getting a corn dog and sitting there and enjoying the music and. Uh, whatever you know, it's it's just a relaxed environment, and it's very enjoyable for your families usually. And as a kid, man, having that those mentors be like that, it's just the best thing. And I always said growing up, I was like, man, if I ever make it to that level, I'll spend all my time. Anybody that wants to know anything, if I've got anything to offer, I'd love to do that. So yeah. it just it means the world, and it, it ups your playing so much growing yeah. up because they took time to show you things. And sure, it's, it's killer. So, Lily, every time I see you, I think. I, I wonder. <laughs> I say, this lady from the Bronx, does she ever just think one day, what am I doing in the middle of bluegrass music? <laughs> do you yeah. ever think, what am I doing here? And uh, and you ever think about uh, the whole journey, and, and you have to go back and remember, or has it just become you've been doing it so long? It's just uh, it's just what you do. You know, I think every time that we perform. Um, whether it be at a bluegrass festival or the National Quartet Convention or a little church out in the middle of Podunk yeah. or at a huge arena with the Gaithers, I don't think there's a day goes by that I don't think about where God has brought me to because it's truly a miracle. I, I never dreamed in my wildest dreams when I was growing up in New York that I'd be doing what I'm doing and doing it with my family for gospel music. Mm. So 
and, and you know, there's there's times when everybody gets tired and you think, wow, you know, can I just pull this off another, yeah. you know, weekend and you're exhausted and things aren't going well or for one reason or another you just had a bad day. But, you know, I, I've, I'm so convinced in my heart that we're right in the center of God's will right now that even though I get tired and sometimes things will happen that will discourage me, I just, there's no, I, I never think there's any other way but to do what we're doing. I feel like we're definitely in God's will. I think when we talked last time, you had just come off the 700 Club with your testimony. And since that time, uh, Dr. Dobson has yeah. featured your testimony. Uh, and what kind of response did you receive from Focus on the Family? Oh, I got great response. I've gotten so many emails. And just about every night in concert, somebody will come up and say, we heard you on Focus on the Family. Mm-hmm. And it's it was just such an honor to get to do that. We We taped it at a church, and then I submitted it to them for review. And it took a year before they... They got notified me and said they were going to play it. But what truly amazed me is I didn't get a copy of it in advance. So when I heard it that day, I listened to it on the Internet. I just logged on to their uh, site, and they played my entire uh, testimony. They yeah. didn't edit any of it. Wow. And the comments that Dr. Dobson made was, you know, just touched my heart that he sure. would. So I, I was truly blessed by that, and uh, just the opportunity to get to do that was amazing. Sonia, you've played for some uh, some big names in country music, or you've sang backup, right, for some mm-hmm. some of them. Yeah. And we talked about that as well when we when we talked before. Why did you come back to gospel music? What what brought you back to singing about Christ versus what country singers sing about? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I actually the whole time that I was doing my country career was still um, doing dates with the family, and so I don't I don't think that I really ever left it. I just uh, the schedule in the country music field was so demanding that I missed a lot of things. And um, after about six years in with Lyric Street Records, the country label, the um, we decided that it wasn't working for either one of us, so we parted ways. And um, that's been about two, I think, about two years ago, two and a half years ago. And um, and about that time is when Gaither music group started signing the Isaacs and we started doing a lot of Gaither shows and it just felt like God was closing that door and mm-hmm. and this one was kind of flung open sure. and um and I don't think his timing is not a mistake and um and I I'm thankful for the the opportunities that I had while I was out there but right now it feels like this is where the focus needs to be and and all that's going on here and with the family and um I mean, I have people asking me a lot, and I've had other offers and opportunities to do solo work, but, um, and, you know, I may make another record, but it would just be for the, you know, the purposes of selling it or mm-hmm. having it. I wouldn't want to leave the family again to go sure. and try to promote it and tour it and be commercial success and all that stuff. It's very exhausting. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but I am thankful for the, the doors that were open, and I don't believe it was a mistake to do what I did. It's just, um, it's it's been awesome, and I've met some great people along the way, and had some awesome opportunities. You guys have pretty much always had that unique sound, that bluegrass sound. That's just part of who you are. But when Southern Gospel really embraced you, were there any criticism because you weren't in the mold that you weren't Southern Gospel, even though that's what you'd always done was the, sort of the bluegrass sound? Did you ever find criticism that well, you need to be a little bit more like the quartets or a little bit more like this? One of the first albums that we did. Actually, the guy who was our uh, executive producer on the album said it'll never fly. You got, what you guys will do will never work. Um, said you guys need to add. Um, you need to be a little more country. You need yeah. to. You need to. You know, lose the banjo and upright bass and 
Um, you need to just be more country. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't very long after that at all that we had our first number one and they ate their words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The problem that we've run into is the bluegrass, the traditional bluegrass people don't like it when you put drums on your records. And the southern gospel crowd that likes our music, they're not real fans of the traditional sound. So it's hard to kind of find a good um, settling middle ground that mm-hmm. makes everybody happy. And then we probably don't make everybody happy, but we make music that we like. Yeah. And then wherever it fits in, it fits in. Could I intercede oh, something yeah. that has been one of the neatest experiences in the last few years that we've come up against? And since we've been doing a lot of the Gaither Homecoming Tour mm-hmm. the last four years, the biggest comment we get at the product table is we never knew we liked bluegrass, <laughs> and we love you guys. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just really neat because a lot of people come to a show like that and listen to all kinds of singing. And when we surprise them for 15, 20 minutes with the acoustic sound, yeah. I'm just proud that we introduce them to another phase of music that they would enjoy. And we get that sometimes, and I love that. I love sure. being able to introduce what we do to people that never knew they liked it. Well, I, I would like to comment on that also as, as well. We, our sound is so much a part of everyone's past. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone uh, that comes up to me, I mean, a majority of people come up, well, my grandpa played fiddle. My grandma mm-hmm. played banjo. My grandma, you know, my grandma played guitar and piano, and my grandpa played upright bass. So, I mean, it's, and people will see that and identify with that. And I think we take them on a little trip, a little journey that, um, that, that's uh, really like memories. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And and a, and a comment I also would like to make that um, I think that sets us apart and as a um, as a band and what we do in in southern gospel music. You know, you have um, the vocal band who is mm-hmm. you know compared to the Imperials. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Signature Sound who is compared to the Statesman or to uh, you know, and then you have every, everyone has someone that they try to be a modern version of. We are kind of an inventor of a, you know, we've, we've yeah. brought this. So it's hard to categorize what we do um, in in the music. So right. it's... Right. Well, and you know what? There's good and bad in every form of music. Most people that in the Southern Gospel world um, have never really heard a banjo. Mm-hmm. And we are very proud of how... Or maybe not proud not the right. We're very conscious of how we represent the banjo mm-hmm. because we know that when we get on a Gaither platform or anywhere we go, that 95% of the audience have never heard a banjo. So before we make a noise, the first thing they see is what we're wearing and what's strapped around our neck. And, be, and they have a prejudgment before we even open our mouths or make one note. So the reason why we take a very conscientious effort to um, make it good is because, you know, you can play the banjo and guitar and have your teeth and wear modern clothes. And you can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the first thing I get when people say, well, you guys play the grass. Yes. And I have I my know. teeth and yeah. I don't, you know, I, 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 you know, you, you present with class. That's one thing I have to take my hat off to Allison Krauss, Rhonda Vincent, yeah. groups like that, that when they get on the platform, they look like a million dollars and they sound as good as they look. And they're, yeah. They're bringing the standard of bluegrass back it, before it just sort of got lost. And so 
you know, we try break that stigma of the whole deliverance thing, you know, and it's like, oh, if you hear a banjo or whatever, it's 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 that, and then people and, see it now, it's not, you know? right? And exactly. it's helped break the stigma that you have uh, curly blonde hair. Exactly, <laughs> you could only see me right now. Yeah, <laughs> and those are our television audience; they know. Right. Yeah. You should have seen some of the banjo players that actually tried out. It was <laughs> so no pressure, Kevin. No. <laughs> um, you mentioned Bill Gaither, and obviously you are you are on the Gaither label uh, for for uh, your releases. But I know, and that was just in the last couple of years that's come around. But you've had a, a history with Bill now for quite a few years. When did you first meet him? How did he How did he invite you to um, to his videotapes? Well, Bill, um, it's kind of one of those things with Bill is uh, you have to be invited to be a participant in the videos and things like that and on stage. And what he does is he'll invite you to come to the videotapings first. And I think Jeff Easter is actually one of the people that said, Bill, I know this bluegrass group, you need to hear them, their family, and, and uh, introduced us to Bill Gaither. And Bill invited us to come and be a part of a couple of the tapings. It's been about 12 years ago, yeah. And um, so... We were on a couple of the tapings, actually a lot of the tapings over the, the probably what, five years or something like that. And then Bill saw, you know, what we were doing and mm-hmm. watched us and helped us grow and, and the popularity that we were getting through the videos. And then he invited us to go tour with him. So he'll, you know, he'll basically give you exposure on the videos. And then if he, he sees he's getting enough feedback from it and mm-hmm. all that, then he'll invite you on the tour if he thinks it'll add to the program. And uh, so it's been an awesome thing. And we've been on the Gaither Homecoming Tour for about three years now, maybe four years, and uh, it's been it's been a neat experience. We've met a lot of new listeners and uh, sure. a lot of people that have never heard our music before. So it's been great for us. And it says something that you are able to do something totally unique. Because how many times mm-hmm. uh, you know they say nothing's new, and it's it mm-hmm. it's the longer um, human existence goes on, I guess the harder it's going to be to find something new to do. So you yeah. guys, uh, uh, good job. Thank you. We were talking last night about um, being here at the National Quartet Convention and how before we were on the Gaither tour, which, you know, Gaither's the homecoming tours and arenas yeah. all over the country, um, how getting on a stage like at the Quartet Convention, a round stage where there's people sitting all around you would be so intimidating for us mm-hmm. because we don't stand there with mics and we can't walk around you know, because we have instruments and, mm-hmm. and really without our we have wireless units on our instruments now, so we can actually be mobile on stage. Right. Um, and, but being on that Gaither tour has, has given us so much more um, flexibility and experience in how to you know, work a whole crowd where they're sitting around you as, rather mm-hmm. than all of them right in front of you. So, and last night it was much more comfortable than it has been in years past for us because of the Gaither experience. Is it Sonia with a Y or a J? Y. Okay. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I always ask you that because I, I know there are two different ways to spell it, and it's Sonia, not Sonia. There's also the I, right. so there are three yeah. different ways. Yeah. Yep. Yes, well, Sonia. Good. Oh, that's true. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, latest project, what's the name of it? We don't know for sure yet. Might be Big Sky, but we're not. Heroes was the Heroes was last. last so you were As here. a matter of fact, we're going in Monday to record um, for four days, and so we're in that process of not 100% able to tell you what the title will be, but we're shooting for maybe the title called Big Skies. Okay. Mark Bright is actually producing it. He's um, a really well-known producer in Nashville and creative man. He produced a lot of very successful country artists, Sarah mm-hmm. Evans and uh, Lone Star. Rascal Flatts. Rascal Flatts uh, and... Um, yeah, Jesus yeah. Take the Wheel is yeah. his production. And, um, and he's... He's, he loves this kind of music, acoustic music, and um, he's a Christian. And 
it was it was kind of an act of God, I think, that brought us together because I was actually guesting on an appearance on uh, my friend Jimmy Van Cleve's record, Who mm-hmm. Sings with Mountain Heart. And he had just produced a record for Mountain Heart and produced Jimmy's solo record. Well, he asked me to sing a solo on his album. So I was in the studio with Mark Bright producing that song. And we were we were we had already decided on another producer, which was also in the country field. Uh-huh. And um, and I and I... Mark was asking me, what are we doing? I said, we're going in the studio. And he said, who's producing it? And I told him. And he said, why? <laughs> I said, why not? And he goes, why didn't you call me? And I said, well, because I didn't know you. <laughs> and because, you know, who would have thought that you would be interested in producing yeah. a, you know, somebody that's probably not going to make you a, a hundredth of the money that you've already made. And, uh, but he, he wanted to do it because his heart is in, you know, gospel music and sure. he, and, and acoustic music. So, Everyone else that he produces um, allows him the flexibility to produce a group like us, I yeah, guess, financially. Yeah. So it worked out. We're really excited. Yeah. So it turns out to be a big blessing that Carrie's second single went number one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To fund our album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys run in some great circles because you not only are limited to a Christian scene, but you can go out and do the bluegrass stuff as well. And I'm sure that provides great opportunities. How can we keep up with those opportunities, those tour dates and the new projects? Theisaacs.com. That's the easiest way, the quickest way, and just about everybody's online now. So yeah. uh, that's two A's, I S A A C S. Biblical. Yeah. Yeah. With an S, the Isaacs. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for doing this. Let's get up again soon. It's our pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Hey, I have to say one thing. Oh, I that? love XM Radio. Yeah, I am the love biggest it. fan of XM Radio. Oh. So. Converting me. <laughs> that's good to know. It's awesome. It's I switch. Awesome. I, I was telling. Uh, I was telling you a while ago. I switch between. Enlighten, Willie's Place, yeah. and the Bluegrass. So. <laughs> yeah, Bluegrass Junction, huh? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs>